You're listening to Father Kirby Longo's Homilies, powered by Mountain Catholic. Father Kirby is a priest of the Roman Catholic Diocese of Helena and pastor of Christ the King University Parish in Missoula, Montana. Today we enter into two of the most important, uh, fundamental, and in many ways contentious of all the discourses in the scriptures. First, Moses has led the Israelites out of Egypt, out of slavery, into the desert. They've seen miracles that no one before them ever could have imagined. And in many ways, in terms of the intensity of the miracles, nothing that's been seen since. And yet, suddenly, they find themselves in a wasteland with nothing to eat. There's no way to practically feed an entire civilization in that region for even a week. So what are they to do? They do what most of us do when we're confused or stressed or hungry. They complain. Israelites are already nostalgic for the flesh pots and the bread of Egypt, completely forgetting the enslavement that came along with those flesh pots. How does God answer this? With the manna. For the entirety of the time in their desert, they eat the bread of angels, uh, as the Psalms describe it. In Syriac it says, it has all sweetness within it, that the manna tastes like everything all at once. It's kind of incredible to imagine. So this miracle of the manna becomes the standard by which the Messiah will be judged, that whoever the Messiah is, when he comes, will do something like this. This will be one of the definitive signs that he is who he says he is. And so last gospel, uh, last week, recounts the feeding of the 5,000. And the Jewish people are not foolish. They know the implications of this act. And so it tells us at the end of the gospel, which comes just before our gospel today, it says, since Jesus knew that they were going to come and carry him off to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain alone. They rightly interpret this move as a messianic act. And so they want to see what further sign Jesus has to offer. And that brings us to today's gospel. You know, they all wake up the day after this great miracle, and Jesus is gone. You know, he couldn't have gone with his disciples in the boat, and so he just sort of seemed to have slipped off. Uh, so they go and try to find him. And when they do, they say to him, What sign can you do that we may see and believe in you? And so begins the great bread of life discourse. Uh, the discourse on what we believe as Catholics to be the Eucharist. And I won't push into that very deep today because it continues into next week. I want to push into the idea of demanding a sign from God, of asking him to prove himself. In the desert and in Galilee, so in our first reading and in the gospel, the people ask for a sign. And in both situations, God gives them a sign, a great sign, a clear sign. For some reason, we have this impression today that and I think it's grown up more and more in recent years, that to ask God for some sort of sign, to ask him to make it clear that he's with us, is a sort of child and childish and primitive way of going about the faith. 
which I think is a little bit ridiculous. I mean, we're asked to prove ourselves when we sign into you know, our Gmail or when we buy a drink or when we board a plane. We have to prove who we are. Uh, whenever I go outside of the diocese to celebrate mass or any sort of sacrament, I have to send a letter ahead of me proving who I am and that I'm actually a priest. The least we can do when someone claims to be God and claims to care about us and love us is to ask them to do something about that, to show themselves. You know, some of the holiest people I know just ask for miracles all the time. I mean, they don't get miracles necessarily all the time, but why not ask? God says that he loves us. And when it comes to the church, you know, so many of the things in our church, so many of the traditions in the church, so many of the just the way that we build our churches are just a multitude of signs assuring us of God's presence. You know, when we walk into uh, the mother church of all of, all of the Catholic faith, which is actually John Lateran in Rome, it's not St. Peter's, John Lateran is the seat of the Bishop of Rome, the Pope. And so when you walk in there, the pillars of the church are massive statues of the 12 apostles. And as you walk down, they're standing there and they're holding the sort of method of their demise, the, the means of their martyrdom. And it's not meant to be gruesome, it's, it's just meant to be sort of sign after sign as you approach the altar and the tabernacle that the Lord is faithful to those who love him. It's the same when you walk, I don't know if you've ever been up to St. Ignatius Mission, it's close to here, if you haven't gone you should go. It's got sort of in many ways the whole history of salvation in those frescoes, but also the history of God's work amongst the native peoples. The great miracles that he has done to bring them to himself. These clear signs in our life. When we enter into the sacramental life, the whole point of a sacrament is that it's a visible sign, it's a a physical thing that tells us that God is giving us grace. And that's why I, I just took a group of high schoolers into the wilderness and there's nothing quite as clear in terms of God's majesty and his love and his presence as the beauty of the wilderness. And so on the third day of this route, we chose to purposely sort of just make it way harder than it needed to be. And so we climbed up uh, Shaw Peak, just kind of, it was about as deep in the wilderness as we were going to get. And it's just difficult, especially for a bunch of kids who have never done a backpacking trip. And so it just struggled. It was bushwhacking for a solid mile, which is not very fun in the bob. So you just keep struggling, struggling. It takes forever, and they're stopping and complaining. But eventually, got to the top, up this ridge line. And it's one of those great peaks in the bob where you're far enough in that you get a full 360 sort of panorama view of just mountains and ridge lines. And, and it, was, it was a stunning place. And almost every kid at the end of the trip said that their moment where they experienced God most intensely was on top of that mountain. And, and then we got to celebrate Mass on top of the mountain and, and pray up there together. And there was no, there was no miracle, necessarily, uh, except perhaps in the Mass, but 
It was just that God was so palpably present in that sort of physical reality of everything around us that it was a sign of his presence. We need these signs. We need the sort of physical, visceral reminders that God is with us all the time. We're not purely spiritual. The more spiritual your faith is, it's not the better that it is. Now, of course, the greatest of all signs of God's love is the Eucharist. For we do not live on bread alone. But so many of these other sort of physical signs and just us in our daily prayer asking the Lord to show us in some real and concrete way that he loves us is a great and legitimate way uh, to go about our faith. You know, I asked the kids who, uh, which story I should tell from this past week's camp, uh, and they chose, it was, it was a humbling moment for them, it was good. They chose to have me tell, tell you all about their cooking ability. So we, uh, we put them in groups of four, uh, three, to cook for themselves and gave them pointers and then sent them out on their own, which seemed to be a, a terrible mistake for so many of them. Uh, one night they're like, we're going to make brownies. So we did have a brownie mix, and that's more of just a practical joke because making brownies in the backcountry is extremely difficult. And so. They had to get a fire going on top of their stove with little twigs while they're cooking on the bottom. Uh, and, and so they started out for some reason with like a half gallon of water, and then they poured their brownie mix into that, which started just this horrible road that they had to walk down there. They're like, oh, add more, and add flour, and add, uh, add this other mix, and add this. They just kept adding stuff to try and thicken it enough. And they got it to a, like a soupy state, which were like, ah, I guess if you cook it long enough, maybe that'll work. And, uh, and so by the end, they did have what was basically like a cake of some sort. Uh, and so that gave them this incredible confidence that they were great cooks. Uh, and so the next morning, they're like getting all, they're like, oh, we're going to make pancakes. And they got all fancy with their pancakes. And, and one of the groups, uh, instead of putting pancake mix into their pan put, Alfredo sauce into their pan, and they made Alfredo pancakes, which was the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. And and even they, I mean, so it was a good, humbling moment for them. I don't really know the spiritual lesson there, except that maybe that's why we ask God to feed us so much, is that we can't feed ourselves. You know, when I, I was, in my first year of seminary, I was, I was laying in bed one night, and I I had this, uh, I was in pretty deep desolation. Uh, In that first year, there's a ton of silence, so you have a lot of time to sort of think about yourself and how much you've messed up in life. It tends to be when you have a lot of silence that comes up. And so I was laying in bed, and and right through my window, I could see this beautiful stained glass window of of St. Charbel, who was a Lebanese hermit. Uh, Modern modern times, only within the last hundred years. And... uh, and I used to call him spider fingers because for some reason in the stained glass window he had these really long fingers. And I was like, spider fingers, you've got to pray for me. I gotta, um, I'm struggling right now and, and you know, I don't really know whether I'm supposed to be here. That's always the question. And, and in that moment, it was, I, was, I was staring at that window 
And all I could think was like, I probably should just do what St. Charbel did, which is pray. And so I got up and prayed, and there was no miracle, but as I continued to just ask and ask and ask, I did receive the certitude that as long as I stayed with the Lord, as long as I stayed close to him in prayer, he was just never going to lead me astray. Uh, And to just keep asking, and he would keep answering. Don't be afraid to ask God for some sign of his love. There's some sign that he's with you. Uh, And the church has never been afraid to, and that's never been the teaching. He loves you, and he wants you to know that he loves you. He wants to show you in this world that he loves you. Uh, He wants you to see his love. Amen.